This is the SBI Podcast, part two of our MLS season preview. I am Derek Cleverly. On the other side of the country, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. How you doing, man? I'm struggling, man. I, I tell you what, I, I feel like I feel like those uh, those guys in those Snickers commercials when 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 they they're they're really grumpy, like like Joe Pesci. Oh yeah, that's and great. Then, and then they get, and they need a Snickers bar, and then then they get back to normal. You know, I feel like there's uh, a, I feel like that. Right I feel like there's a part of the generation that doesn't get the Joe Pesci thing though. Like you know the Goodfellas, the casino thing when he's when he's yelling at that woman about being the hand model. I feel like some people don't get that reference. I don't know if it's that specific a reference. That's, I think it's just Joe Pesci. Well, no, 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 no. But I mean, I mean, I mean, I think most people maybe remember him from like Home Alone, and they don't realize like how badass he was in Casino and Goodfellas. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> most people, you mean most people your age and under, yeah, my age. I mean, I the first well, time. First time you I represent ever... a very small. Okay, okay, well, okay. Well, the first time I ever saw Joe Pesci was in Home Alone. That I, I didn't realize how badass he was till I got older, and it ruined my it ruined my childhood. I'm pretty sure there were other things that ruined. Your yeah, childhood. there were other things, but that was one of the things, though. Ivis. <laughs> nice. Well, Ivis, uh, as we said, this is part two of our season preview. Today, we're going to be doing the Eastern Conference. The other day, we did the Western Conference. If people want to hear what Ivis had to say about the Western Conference, also what I had to say about the Western Conference, you are more than welcome to listen to last uh, the last episode. But today's the Eastern Conference. Before we get into the Eastern Conference, Ivis, some big news: Josie Altidore. Those goals were unbelievable. That's that second goal that he scored. What a performance by him! Well, I'll tell you what his uh, his game the other day in the Dutch Cup semifinal uh, has to be without question one of the best games he's mm-hmm. ever played. Uh, two goals and and I think the assist he got uh, was even better than the goals. Uh, you know, he, he hit a beautiful, perfect pass for the second goal in a three zero win, and and now they're in a final. They're in the Dutch Cup final against PSV Eindhoven. He has a chance to win a trophy, and uh, it's just. His dream season keeps going, and now he's he's tied uh, Clint Dempsey's record for for total goals in all competitions by an American in Europe, and and he's going to shatter. You know, knock on wood, if he stays healthy, he's going to shatter that record. Well, that's uh, twenty three goals in all competitions that that Josie is 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 matched, and I mean, you have to almost wonder right now, Ivis. I mean, what what what's the limit for him? I mean, thirty goals, thirty five is thirty five too high? What about thirty? Does thirty sound good? I mean, he should. I think. I think thirty is a very realistic, uh, realistic total for him. And it's funny because you know I talked to him uh, last summer, did, did a story on him, and and it, when I interviewed him, we were just talking about you know what what are his goals, and he pretty much said you know he wants to improve, and he's like, you know, I don't want to sit here and say I'm gonna I'm gonna score forty goals and 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 catch Messi, and at the time you know forty goals sounded so ridiculous, yeah. but right now I mean, I I don't think he's quite on pace for forty, but I mean he's almost on pace for. More than thirty, which you know, if you would have said that a year ago, you'd have, people would have thought you were crazy. But it just goes to show the kind of year he, he he's had and how much he continues to grow as a player. And and I know it's still frustrating for U.S. national team fans because he's not scoring uh, with the national team. But the fact is, he's improving. He's he's sharpening his game. And and as soon as I tell you what, as soon as the midfield gets figured out on the U.S. team, as soon as you get uh, you know, I think when you get Landon Donovan back, and and if we talk about down the road in the summer, if you have Landon Donovan and, and a healthy Breck Shea and maybe even a healthy Stuart Olden, yeah. you get some skilled guys who can provide some service, who can move off the ball, who can combine. All the, then I think you're going to see what Josie Altidore could really do on the national team. Well, I was, you know, when you look at the U.S. men's national team and the fact that Josie isn't equaling what he's able to do for the national team at his, what he's going to do for the club level, what is the reasoning behind that? You know, is, is there something that we're missing? 
No, we've said it. We've talked about it before. It's not rocket science. And anyone that watches him play for for Azed, they have skilled attackers. They move well as a team. They 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 have a lot of talent on that team. A lot of attacking talent. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, right now the U.S. at least in midfield just isn't working well together. The attacks not combining well. There's just not enough skill, not enough speed. There's just just a lot lacking right now on the attacking side, especially in the midfield. Uh, for service, I mean, the only guy who's really finding goals is Clint Dempsey, and that's just because mm-hmm. if he's, you know, if you give him an inch, he's gonna he's gonna score on you. He he he's just that deadly. So I mean, if not for hit Clint Dempsey's ability to to make something out of nothing, I mean, the U.S. would be in serious trouble these days because the the offense just isn't clicking. Uh, the combination is just not there, and you know, when you don't have Landon Donovan around anymore, or he hasn't been around much in the past, much. Jurgen Klinsmann's tenure, and then you have obviously Brexit sidelined, no one else really stepping up with those dynamic qualities. Uh, this is what you have. You have you have an offense that really just you know isn't quite clicking, and then you play like Jose Altador, who he just can't do it on his own. You know, he can't play as a target uh, when no one's running off of him, no one's providing service. Uh, you know, he's kind of a you know the man alone on the island, and I don't know how anyone could expect him to produce goals that way. Well, Ivis, Josie is not the only American uh, internationally that, that's making news. Tijuana just had a huge, they spanked San Jose, that's the Bolivia San Jose, not the Earthquakes. They spanked San Jose 4-0. to Edgar Castillo had a goal. Joe Corona had a goal. This is Tijuana's first ever appearance in the Copa Libadores. And now they have a game coming up against Corinthians on March 6th where Tijuana's looking pretty good in their group right now and they could advance onto that next stage. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's been really impressive uh, what they've been able to do. I mean, first, you know, they go down to Colombia and they beat the, the Colombian champions, Millonarios, uh, with Freddie Montero on the team, beat them 1-0, and then they come home with, uh, you know, off of their, you know, playing that tough schedule where they have to play in Mexico, then travel to South America, come back, and they and they put a spanking on a, a team, a San Jose team from Bolivia that, that tied Corinthians in the opening match of the group stage. So, you know, that it, it, we're not talking a case of a complete pushover. Uh, so now they're in control. They're, they, they're 2-0 in the group, and now they play the defending world champions, the, the world, the Club World Cup champions, Corinthians, uh, the Brazilian powerhouse. Uh, you know, that, that's not, that's not going to be an easy game by any means. Uh, but you know the it's it's all there for for them well, it, to take and and they're playing well. If they win that game, they're pretty they're through. Well, it's going to help especially on on March six when they play Corinthians for the first time. That game's in Tijuana, and then they flip around. They play uh, they play Corinthians again on March thirteenth. So you got a back to back game right there. First game in Tijuana. I mean, if they can go into that game uh, in Tijuana and win that, and then maybe draw against Corinthians on the thirteenth. I mean, you pretty much have Tijuana then locked down for that next round. Oh, right. I mean, it's, it's not going to be easy to take four points from two games from Corinthians. They want to hold serve at home. That's going to be the key for them is to get try to get those three points at home because then you're sitting on nine points halfway through the group stage. You're sitting really pretty at that yeah. point uh, to qualify. So uh, it, it's not going to be easy. Corinthians is, is a powerhouse. You know, they're, they're the real deal. Anyone that saw them uh, dismantle Chelsea in the Club World Cup final knows the, the kind of quality that they have. Obviously, you know, in their, in their their early match, there was there was a tragedy with a, a fan, San Jose, uh, who was killed by a flare. So obviously, that was that's, that was sad, disappointing there. But you know, they're they're such a strong team that it's going to be a real challenge for for Club Tijuana. And then what our readers, what our listeners want to hear about is the Americans. And mm-hmm. Americans are playing well. Edgar Castillo is playing very well these days. 
And and you talk about his standing on the national team. Obviously, Fabian Johnson's still the guy. He's still the, the, the starting left back. But Edgar Castillo's playing so well right now that you almost wonder at what point is Jordan Klinsman thinking about maybe moving Fabian Johnson into the midfield, which is something we've talked about before. Uh, but if Castillo keeps playing that well, he might have to consider that option. And then you have Joey Corona, who's a young attacking player, attacking midfielder, who who also is getting uh, unbelievable experience uh, against top competition internationally and, and playing well. So the, the two guys who are not only enjoying success on, on the club level internationally, they also have to be boosting their, their stock uh, in Jurgen Klinsmann's eyes. Well, in the, in the pace of Castillo, I mean, that's something this U.S. men's national team could use on the wings. Right, without a doubt. I mean, the big question with him, obviously, has always been defensively. Can he handle the defensive responsibilities? He's not a strong defender, but he's shown improvement. Uh, he's always kind of had that ability to get forward, and that's always kind of been a question. Is he is he more midfielder than fullback? Uh, I, I think he's showing, you know, just get, getting a chance to see him play in the Mexican League. He looks like he is improving defensively, so that, you know, he at this point, he is a viable alternative to uh, if anything happens to Fabian Johnson or if you want to move Fabian Johnson, you want to go that route, playing uh, on the wing, on the right or the left. Uh, you know, from what I understand, the right wing is actually his preferred position if he, if he could pick his position. Um, but again, that's, you know, listening to Klinsman, it sounds like Klinsman is adamant about keeping Johnson at left back. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if Castillo keeps doing what he's doing, Clinton uh, was going to have to reconsider. No, exactly, too. And, I mean, in Tijuana, just what a franchise they are just to come out of nowhere. I mean, they have the three Americans on there with Castillo, Corona, and Garza. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to see all three of those guys succeed. Well, Ivis, as we said, this is the MLS Eastern Conference show. As we did, like I said, on Tuesday, we went through all the teams. If you want to listen to that, go. you're more than welcome to for the Western Conference. But this is the Eastern Conference. I liked what you did last time before you went into the show. You kind of handicapped the conference. So can you handicap the Eastern Conference as a whole for us? Well, I think you're – I don't know if you're going to see too much uh, difference as far as the teams that are going to be near the top. Um, I mean, I think there's some teams who really did a good job in the offseason to, to strengthen themselves and, and maybe close the gap. I mean, I think the Columbus crew uh, did quite a bit this offseason to, to boost their roster. And you also have to take into account the, the fact that they're going to have Jaira Arrieta and Federico Higuain for a full season. Uh, they're right there. I think if anyone could be a breakout surprise team in East, it's them. Um, and Montreal is another team, similar situation where they, they have midseason additions from last year who are now ready and poised to, to have a full preseason and do well for a year. Uh, those are the teams I think that could really make moves. But for me, I think it's still the same uh, cast of characters that I think we'll see in the playoffs. I think the Eastern Conference as a group did a really good job of, of strengthening their rosters. And, and I know a year ago, all anybody wanted to say was how much stronger the West was than the East. But I tell you what. Uh, when I look at the, the conferences right now, I think the the East is pretty strong. Uh, I, I think the East is uh, is gonna. There's, there's not a lot of easy, a lot of easy games in the East. I got to tell you. Well, do you think the uh, between the East and the West, do you see things as pretty much being even? No conference has a leg up on the other one. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can look at it and say one is clear. Like maybe you could have said that you know a year ago. Uh, at least going into the year, you would have thought that. But mm -hmm. then, when you saw the records of the, in the the records between the conferences, when East would play West, West would play East, it was pretty much a wash. So it, you know that that pretty much blew away that whole idea that you know the West was so much better. Uh, you know, I think the West, the top teams in the West, you could argue, you know, there was there, there was more quality there. But I think, as I said, I think the East, 
I think there were they, they were as a group the Eastern Conference. I thought. Uh, did a better job of building up their rosters, addressing needs, and making deals to bolster their lineups. Well, as, as we get into our previews, this is how we're going to do it for the fans who didn't listen to the Western Conference preview show. We're going to announce the teams based off how we think they're going to finish. So the first teams that we are going to announce are not going to make the playoffs. The last teams that we will announce are the teams that are going to make the playoffs. And Ivis, it's not that you hate these teams that are going to make the playoffs, but, you know, obviously you don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And that first team is Toronto FC. Lots of uh, off-season drama and issues with Ryan Nelson taking over as head coach. Then you have Kevin Payne doing his thing up there. And Torsten Friggs is, is now retiring. I mean, this team is just kind of still all over the place. Right. I mean, it, it's, 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 it was always going to be kind of an extreme makeover situation just because when you have a team as bad as they were last mm-hmm. year, I mean, we're talking at one of the worst teams of all time. Bad. Um, this was this was inevitable. I mean, they brought in a new president, Kevin Payne, to to shake things up, to clean things up. He was not going to have any problem getting rid of who he needed to get rid of, and and obviously he shook up the league with with the surprising move of hiring uh, Ryan Nelson as his head coach when Ryan Nelson was still playing uh, for Queen, you know, playing in the English Premier League for Queens Park Rangers. Uh, which for me, you know, I, I really can see Ryan Nelson developing into a really good head coach. But at the same time, that is such a drastic change to, to, to you know, I mean, he's been out of MLS for a while now and now pretty much for, to drop his to, to drop his cleats and jump right onto the sideline uh, in MLS. I mean, I have to believe there's going to be growing pains there, especially when you consider the fact that, you know, his coaching staff, I don't know how much experience, pro experience you're talking about there. I mean, I know his assistant coaches is a is a you know a long time coach in the game, but it's more college experience, and you know there's some serious questions there about about how Nelson is going to adapt and what kind of support system he has there. Uh, one thing you can't deny, they have a guy leading the entire organization, and Kevin Payne, who has had success in MLS. He's, he's obviously you know was was the architect uh, in DC United. He's the one who hired Bruce Arena. He's the one who hired Peter Novak. He's mm-hmm. the one who hired Ben Olsen. So. You know, he, he he's had success, and you can already see his fingerprints all over the offseason that they've had. And, and while I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs, I think they, they did a lot of positive things uh, to clean up what was a really messy situation there when you talk about a really bad roster, uh, a salary cap situation that was ugly. I mean, they I, I think they did a really good job to clean up, but it's still going to take another year before they really can take that really big step to, to climb out of the Eastern Conference basement. Ryan Nelson, what's the over-under on days before he suits up and becomes a player manager? And number two, um, when you look at this Toronto FC team here, who, who is the player we, we should kind of, let's say you're an opposing team, who, who's the player that you're most afraid of on this team? Well, the first question I the sense I get from hearing Nelson talk is that he really will be happy not to have to play anymore. You know, he's he's put a lot of wear and tear on his body through the years. Obviously, playing in the Premier League for you know for several years at a, at a high level, and also playing internationally uh, for New Zealand and putting in all the all that all the you know the rigors of that kind of travel, especially playing for New Zealand where you have to you know fly halfway around the world. Um, I don't think he's going to play anymore. I don't get that sense. Uh, well, first, unless he wait, just wait. gets so fed up with their defense that he just decides that's it, I'm going to play. See, that's what I'm saying. He's going to do that. I guarantee yeah, but, I, I guarantee honestly, I don't know. I don't know. He's going to sit there and he's going to be like, you know what? Screw this. I can do that myself. I, I put it at I put it at 40% that he plays sometime this season, whether it be an open it, cup it w- game. I, I wouldn't bet on it, but it wouldn't surprise me. But uh, 
as far as who who are the they they just Robert Earnshaw has just been signed by them and and I think he's going to be the guy they turn to that they hope to, to kind of lead their attack. Um, he, he obviously a uh, really impressive career in Europe and he you know he brings the credentials uh, the pedigree as a as a goal scorer someone who's going to finish chances to come and and I think he's going to be he's really looking when you look at what they've added he's definitely the the, the marquee the first marquee signing uh that you could think of that they brought in why well, that's the team that you have finishing in 10th place in the east all right, Ivison, moving on to the team that you believe is going to finish in ninth place. That's the New England Revolution, a team that at times looks pretty good, doesn't look that good, made a huge splash uh, in the draft acquiring Andrew Farrell. What do you expect out of this team? Well, they're an interesting one in, in, in the sense that they, they've made some really good moves to, to bolster their their roster. Um, they, they have talent, there's no doubt about that, um, but you just kind of wonder how it's all going to come together. Uh, the first season under head coach Jay Heaps did not go well at all. You kind of expected that though, because of you know the just basically they had to do so much, uh, you know, tearing down and rebuilding of that roster. Um, you know, through at which what's interesting there is that you know they've had a lot of years of of really bad signings. I mean, they they swung and missed on international signings uh, repeatedly for years, and and when you when you when you aren't doing well on that front. It's really tough to build a winner. It's really tough to build a team. But now it seems like they've do, they've done a little bit of job on that front. They they've actually gotten pretty sharp about uh, finding finding some bargains in MLS. I mean, someone like Lee Wynn, who the Vancouver mm-hmm. Whitecaps uh, waived, and then you know they brought him in, and he's become a real quality player for them. And now on the international market, uh, you know they went and got Sayer Sen uh, to come in, and he he was great for them before he tore his ACL. And then you talk about the Honduran striker, Jerry Bankston, who, you know, was a star at the Olympics and now is playing for the full Honduran national team. And, and he is, you know, one of the more exciting young forwards in MLS uh, who's due for a breakout. Uh, it, you know, I think he definitely have a breakout year this year. So they, they have talent there. It's just how does it come together? How does the, the defense come together? And how does the midfield come together? They have, I mean, I don't know how many midfielders they have on that roster, but they have a bunch. And, and you have to... It's going to be up to Jay Heaps to kind of put the pieces together because it's it's still very much kind of a a work in progress uh, as a lineup. Let's let's say let's just say for example, in a perfect world, this this team has great chemistry and they come together throughout the season. Could this be a team that that even though you, I know you picked them to finish in ninth in the East, is this a team that you maybe could see if things really do work out for them, chemistry wise on the field, and the team figures it out? This could be a team that could maybe push for a playoff spot. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I, I think that's possible, but a lot has to go right. I mean, I think I mean that Sire San has to be you know get back to full health. Him and Bankston have to develop a great partnership. Their defense needs to come together. Obviously, they you know they brought in Andrew Farrell, the number one pick, uh, the, the first guest ever in SBI podcast history. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, he's going to be starting it right back. Uh, you know, they signed a new center back. They have AJ Soares and Steve McCarthy also as center back. They have the pieces, but you know, just looking at the way they played last year, they were pretty. They, you know, they were pretty terrible on the road. Uh, they, they, they were a little disjointed, and you know, they were prone to mistakes in the back. They had their share of injuries here and there. Uh, I think they might still be a year away. I, I think when you look at the pieces they have, uh, they do have talent. They have some good young talent there, so I think they might still be a year away. But I think. The step to take now is to close that gap between being, you know, go from being closer to the basement 
to being closer to the contenders. And I think that's what, you know, if you're a New England fan, obviously New England fans want the playoffs. They want to, they want this team to get into the postseason. But I think if they can close that gap and get closer to the top five, I think that's positive because I think it'll show one that, that you know, that young group is, is maturing. And number two, it'll show that Jay Heaps is actually, you know, succeeding as mm-hmm. a coach. I mean, you have to remember this is only his second year as a coach. So he had, you know, he, he obviously had his share of growing pains last year getting thrown in as a coach. So now he's going to, you know, it, it's important for him to really kind of establish himself. It's his team. Now he's had a chance to rebuild it and, and, and tear it down and, and get rid of the players. He didn't want anymore. But again, I, I still think they're a year away. Well, I was, uh, I mean, I agree. I think New England has the pieces there. They just kind of need to come together. I also think that Jay Heaps is a very good coach. Uh, we move on here to uh, the eighth team, the team that you believe is going to finish eighth in the East. That's the Montreal Impact. Uh, for some reason, I have this like weird obsession with Montreal. I don't know why. Maybe that's because I love French Canadian girls. Think um, it's the strip clubs? No, 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 no. I love French Canadian girls, man. The girls that have that English French accent. Moving on. Um, however, though, when you look at Montreal, I, I for some reason I always feel like this team in the future is just going to be a very good team because you know Montreal is kind of more of a European type feel of city though. But when you look at this team, Jesse Marsh is out. You have a new boss in there, Marco Schellenbaum. He wants the team to think a little bit quicker. You know, he wants the team to overall play faster. The team was great at home last year, horrible on the road. They've made some some pickups this year, but it just doesn't seem like it was enough to get them kind of over that next level. Right. Well, what's interesting about this team is. Um, you know they 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 made it. They had the coaching change happen there. Uh, Jesse Marsh walked away. He wasn't officially fired, but at the same time, you didn't get the sense that Montreal's ownership was all that upset to see him go. But then they bring in a new coach. Who for me, I mean, you're talking a, just a, a pure journeyman coach, uh, someone who really for me didn't have all that impressive a resume. Uh, but obviously, he impressed them on the interviews. He, you know, they liked the fact that he speaks a bunch of languages. And, he, you know, he's coached all over the place. Uh, but for me, I mean, I just feel, you know, I looked at his resume and the guy's had way too many jobs for my for my taste. And he also hadn't coached uh, very recently, like the last couple of years he hadn't been coaching. He was he was being, a, an, uh, you know, a coaching instructor. Um, so you, you have to ask yourself, all right, if you're bringing in a new coach, uh, what, what's going to change? And you look at the roster and the roster hasn't changed all that much. I mean, it's really when you talk about around, if you go around the league, I mean, I think they're one of the teams that changed their their roster the least. So, yeah, what's going to change now? You know, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Why are they going to make it this year? It's pretty much the same uh, same roster. And, and the answer to that is, at least for that, that they're hoping is that that by having a full year of Marco Devaio, uh, a full year of Alessandro Nesta, having Nesta have a training camp and having him be really fit, that those are going to be those things are going to be enough uh, to put them over the hump. And you know. I don't know if that's going to be enough. But I mean, they, they yeah. does the impact have enough young talent? Because it seems like the perfect formula in the MLS is this: about four or five veteran guys, a couple guys in their late twenties who are emerging players, and a couple in their, and a couple young studs who are just playing out of their mind. I mean, when you look at Montreal, they kind of seem like they have the veteran guys, but they really don't have the the stud guy in his late twenties or the young guys in their you know early twenties that are playing out of their mind. They don't have that. Well, I mean, I think for me, their, their midfield combo of Felipe and Patrice Bernier, uh, I mean, those that's the key. I mean, how that tandem works together. Uh, you know, I think last year they, they both were really quality. I think Bernier is one of the more underrated players in the league. Uh, he was solid all year round, even when even when the team was, was really not playing all that well. He, you could count on him to give you a good game every week. Um, the, now the question is, how do, how do they build around DeVaio? 
from from day one and having him for the whole season. Uh, you know that that that's going to be the key. They, you know they brought in Pisanu uh, from Italy, who, who's a, who's an intriguing attacking player who's probably going to play on the right wing if he doesn't play as a second forward. Uh, you know I kind of like what we've seen from him. Uh, but aside from that, there's not a lot of change there. Yeah, are you so, worried about? Are you, you know, I, I don't know where it's going to come from. Where I, that boost in the standings is going to come from? Or are you worried about Bernier's age? I mean, he's he's old, man. He's 33. I mean, that that's is that enough? I mean, is, is he? Uh, you know what? I tell you what. Just based on how he looked last year, he, he didn't show any signs of uh, slowing down. I, I, I don't know if that you know you can't always just look at a number and say, oh, he's not going to get it done. That 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 has nothing to do with it. It's. It's how someone takes care of themselves. I mean, David Beckham. I mean, come on, he was he was older than that, and he had some of his best years the last two years that he was in MLS. So I don't think that's an issue at all. I think the issue is going to be uh, how they build around Avio, how the defense comes together. Because you know, last year Nesta came in, and everyone obviously knows Alessandro Nesta, his storied career, Italian national team, but he just really didn't bring it. You know, he and he admitted it that he wasn't in shape, and it showed. And he was pretty he was pretty mediocre, pretty mediocre. But now. You know, he insists that he's had he's had he's going to be in shape. He's had his off season. He's going to come in strong. If he plays at a high level, the high level that you expect of someone with his reputation, you, and you partner him with Ferrari, the center, the other center back, then you're talking. Then you have a defense that could do some things. But but if he doesn't bring it, if he if he is if he struggles, if it's pretty much the end of the ro- his rope and it's time for him to hang him up. Montreal is going to have some serious issues because I think their defense, you know, as we saw last year, is going to struggle. Uh, the key, and and then the coach. You have to ask yourself, how good is this coach? I mean, look at his his track record, his resume. He's bounced around a lot. He hasn't had all that much success. Why is he going to succeed in MLS? And we've talked about this because he's because he's European, Ivis. Come on, man. Be, you listen, know, you I know that there's he's a European. laundry list of coaches that have come to MLS with zero ties to MLS and have struggled, and no one's ever. And you look at it, and and, and you can't find one that really succeeded and everyone and i know a lot of people like to point to gary smith in colorado he won an mls cup as an example of uh, someone who wasn't from mls and came in and had success the two points i'll make to that is he didn't come in as a head coach right away he came in as an assistant and he, he had a chance he had half a season to kind of see how things operated and secondly that colorado mls cup team wasn't exactly a, a, a juggernaut i mean they got in they had they were a lower seed they, they didn't have a great record they just happened to, to kind of get through, uh, you know, they got pushed over to the Eastern Conference. This was the old playoff format, and they went on a nice run. Uh, but they weren't, uh, by any means, they, when you talk about, if you list the all-time MLS Cup champions by quality, they're not, they're not you're not going to find them pretty high on that list. So, uh, you know, enough, you know, not that I'm trying to kill Colorado, they won their title, you give it to them. But the point, getting back to the point, mm-hmm. uh, so many foreign coaches have come to MLS with no ties to MLS, no knowledge of MLS, and they have struggled. It's happened over and over and over. Uh, and Montreal, the fact that they just looked at that and ignored that and said, you know what, we're just we are going to do things our way. That's because they're Quebecois. We're... Come on, Ivis. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> you, you can understand why they have that mentality. But at the same time, as the saying goes, those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. So I can tell you right now, if they struggle, if their coach is, is exposed as a fraud, if he's exposed as someone who's not all that sharp, you know what? They, they're going to have no one to blame but themselves. And you can already get a sense. It's a little weird situation there. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you hear their owner pretty much saying, you know, our coach has a, a 
you know, a one year guarantee and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll renew if they make the playoffs. It's like they're ready to fire their coach already. They're pretty much putting the the knife to his neck and saying, you better get to the playoffs already. I mean, that's for me that that, I mean that I don't know if that's a way to run it, run a, you know, you, you need continuity. You need some consistency, and and you already get the sense in Montreal that that there's going to be some revolving door action going on in the coaching ranks, and and I guess it's fitting, considering the Italian Italian influence there, that they're going to be have that Serie A like approach to coaching where they where, where it's a coaching carousel. <laughs> Don't you love it? Yeah, you know what? It's, it brings an interesting quality to the league, yeah. but at the same time, I don't know as a Montreal Impact fan how much I'd love that you know. A roller coaster that it seems like it's going to be there. Well, I was uh, the next team you have on the list is is interesting to, to say the least. An up and down team. You have them uh, picked here to finish in seventh place. That's the Union. Um, when you look at their team, I mean, you ha- you have you have a whole new forward attacking. You have Connor Casey and Sebastian back up top, and then you have Jeff Park from Seattle, and then you have all these young guys, the Farfan brothers. I mean, they they have it's just like it just it, this looks like a team that could really do well, and then all of a sudden you have this Freddie Adu issue. What is the deal going on with the Union? Well, I mean, when it comes down to it, they're they're a young team who, you know, obviously last year they had to throw some young guys into the mix and pretty much give it was a baptism by fire. They had no choice uh, but to play their young guys. Actually, they, they, you know, they knew they were out of the playoffs, uh, so they decided to give their young guys a long run. Mm-hmm. And, and it actually worked out in a, in a good way because you had, you had some players uh, really shine in that, in that spotlight. Jack McInerney really came, came of age. Amobi Akugo was one of the real revelations of the second half of last season as a center back. And then Zach McMath, the goalkeeper, who, you know, he had his struggles last year. And obviously it had to be a tough for someone as young, a goalkeeper as young as he is, to pretty much go from thinking you're heading into your, you know, into 2012 as the backup. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, the projected starter for Reed Mondragon is on, is off to Columbia. And, and, you know, he got thrown to the wolves, you know, Zach, and he struggled. But I think by the end of the year, I think he learned a lot. I think he did improve. And I think he could have a solid year now in 2013. But what the union were the, the problem with the union is that you know they are handicapped by their their salary cap situation. Uh, they have Freddie Adu, who's on a big contract and who they've already pretty much severed ties with, and to let them know they don't want him around anymore and they want to get rid of his contract. But the problem is he's still on their books and they still haven't figured out how they're going to address that situation. So until it is addressed, that you know a big chunk of their salary cap is tied up with by that and then you have him and then and and a, a lesser known situation with philly is uh you know one of the players they got rid of Josue martinez the costa rican who was traded to the red bulls uh it turns out from what my sources tell me is that the union actually spent quite a bit of money to bring him in from costa rica money that they're still paying in 2013 even mm-hmm. though he's not on their team anymore uh you know the what happens in a lot of cases like this where you have a young player coming from central america uh, in order to in order to get a player like that, you have to pay a transfer fee, and usually it's sometimes it's spread out over years. And, and to make a long story short, the union have a big chunk of their salary cap tied up in a player that they've already cut ties with and a player they've already traded away. So right there, you you know you're, you're playing with a hand tied behind your back when you have a big chunk of your salary cap tied up. Well, okay. He, here's a thought. I want you to think about this. Could the union be? Sporting Kansas City 2.0 with all these young players, older veteran talent up top, could they eventually become 
this team where they have they've had to play these young guys and these guys are going to have to go through growing pains. They're going to have to learn on learn on the job, and then maybe a year or two from now, all these guys are are you know finally 23, 24, 25, and this team is just rolling. Could this be a team that maybe that happens? It can. Uh, you know what? That absolutely could happen, but it's going to take you know this year really them showing making progress. I mean, they have to make progress as a team. Uh, they can't fall apart, you know, and they and, and you have to like the, the the moves they did make as far as bringing in some veteran pieces uh, to the puzzle. I mean, obviously, getting the two back is huge for the for the the yes. morale of the fan base because you know, obviously, their fans were were, were upset at the fact that they traded him and they traded Danny Caleb and they traded Danny Mwanga. Uh They traded away every every you know fan favorite that had ever passed through there. It seemed like they got rid of Peter Novak, got rid of, um, but now they have the two back. <laughs> They traded for Connor Casey, and they traded for Jeff Park, who you know, yes. the home, a hometown, hometown boy, but more importantly, a really good center back, uh, someone who slides right in and, and helps replace Carlos Valdez, Ooh. who they sent, who they sent on loan. Uh, you know, the all-star center back who's now in San, playing for Santa Fe, which is a team that's in the Copa Libertadores. So, I mean, that is you're talking about three quality acquisitions of veteran players. Uh, to, into a locker room that absolutely needed some veteran leadership. I mean, they, I mean, they had Brian Carroll, you know, who, who's had such a great career, but they they just didn't have enough veteran leadership in that locker room. So to bring those three guys in there is great for them for all for all those young players that they have there. So I think they're going to have their growing pains. I, I still don't see them being a playoff team unless everybody has a breakout year. Uh, unless the it's you know unless those young guys really step up, but. Like you said, their team's young. Their team's young. They could build toward a bigger 2014. Especially when you think about by 2014, you'd like to hope that the you know the, those salary cap issues are, are are behind them. And once that happens, then then you could really see a boost. The, you, I think the Union have to have the youngest team in the league. The average age of that team has to be maybe 26, 27, maybe. You're totally guessing, and I totally have no. I don't. I don't know if you're. I'm, right I'm just guessing. I can tell you that somewhere around year, there, they had to have the last youngest year. Team. They had the youngest team because I think uh, they probably know. do. They have but to have the youngest they, team. But they, yeah, but remember, they trade for Connor Casey, Sebastian Latou, and Jeff Park, and all three of those guys combined help push that push that average up. I don't know if they. Now nah, that's a good question. At this point, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. If it, I don't. I'm trying to think who 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 could. Vancouver's got a pretty young team. They've got a bunch of young guys. Yeah, I think. I don't um, know. Although they have Jerry Demerit, who you know by himself kind of helps push that <laughs> push that average up. But getting back to Philly, they they have the talent. I mean, they have Baki Samari, who's coming back now from from the knee injury that really cost them all last year when he came when he signed. When you have Samari and and Jeff Park center backs, Amobi Akugo moving into central midfield. The forward trio of Latou, McInerney, Connor Casey, uh, you got some nice pieces. Uh, and the, the player that you really need to see step up if you're the union is Michael Farfan. Uh, and he's the guy that, that, that head coach John Hackworth has really identified as, the, as you know, he's got to be the guy. I mean, they've cut ties with Freddie Adu. They decided, you know what, we don't want to pay him. We don't think he's a good fit. Uh, we want him out of here. That's fine. If that's what you want to do, if you don't want to pay the money, the big the big contract for Freddie Adu, then you then you better hope Michael Farfan becomes a double digit assist guy. You better hope he becomes Graham C yep. two uh, or or someone of that caliber because uh, you know 
you need somebody to be that creator uh, in behind those forwards. And and he's the guy that they need to have that, to be that guy. I mean, he's shown signs of that through the years, you know, of the of having that kind of quality. But now there's no doubt about it. There's no question marks. There's no, is it, is it someone else's job? No, he's the guy. He's the one that needs to create. He's the one that needs to set his teammates up. There's no one else looking over his shoulders. There's no Freddie to do for him to, to play second fiddle to or defer to. He's the guy, and if Michael and if Farfan thrives, then you're talking. Then maybe the, the union can push towards the playoff spot. All right, well, Ivis, let's move on to the next team. The team that you have finishing in sixth place and missing the playoffs yet again is the Columbus Crew. What's what 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 do you got against the Columbus Crew, Ivis? Listen, let me tell you something. I was very very close to putting them in. I, I, to putting them in the playoffs. They've I mean, a- I, I like I, I was flip flopping back and forth, back and forth. Um, and it's just you know what it is. It's it's nothing against them because they I thought they did a great job of of addressing needs. Great off season, uh, right? They had a really good off season, but then the thing is, the teams ahead of them also had good off season. So it wasn't a case of they improved their team. I do feel that, but they they weren't able to close the gap because the teams above them also improved their team. So that's that's the issue, you know. I mean, I think if if MLS were still the case where you you mixed up the playoff spots. In uh, among both conferences, then yeah, you know you can are you can make an argument that six teams in the East are worthy of the playoffs, and and I definitely feel like Columbus could put it all together, and and and, and you know if you want to talk about a team that could be this year's San Jose Earthquakes, oh, and yeah. totally shock the world and have an outrageous season, you know what Columbus has some nice pieces, and could you could make that argument because Fe- I mean Federico Iguain, oh my gosh. in in only a few months was outstanding outrageous i mean he just was really good for them now they get him for a full season you also get Jairo arietta who he got mm-hmm. completely overshadowed by Higuain's arrival but i tell you what arietta showed that he can he can score goals he can put the ball in the net. now you got those two guys for a full season and then you have all the all the other additions uh, that they made in the offseason uh to, to fill out their roster and really give them some attacking punch they're right there uh i, I think their defense, you have some question marks. You know, what's Chad Marshall's situation? Is he going to be able to avoid the concussion issues? Because, you know, he, he's – I mean, he's had so many concussions now that any time he hits the ground, people are worried. Every time he takes – I mean, in the preseason, you know, I, I don't know if you got to watch, but they, I forget which which team they were playing in uh, in Orlando. And, you know, he took a pretty pretty big hit. And everyone's worried. Everyone's like, is that going to be the hit? Is this going to be the hit that knocks him out for good? And, and that's, that's, you know, that, that's a big weight on a team. And, and especially because he's so important to their defense. I mean, he, when he's on the field, they're a completely different defense. When he's not, and when he's not, they just don't have someone, they don't have a player who can replace them. Here's my thing. I think the crew are going to make the playoffs. That's just my opinion. I think that you're right. Having, having Higuain for a whole season, have Arietta for a whole season. I mean, they were unbelievable last year. They, they really carried this team at the end of the season. Then you add the three other South Americans, uh, Glaber, um, Matias Sanchez, and Augustine Viana. I just, I just see this team making the playoffs, but, but hypothetically, obviously, let's the crew are, are, are one of the smaller market teams. Let's say, for example, this team doesn't make the playoffs. The crew don't have excess money to be throwing around and just burning burning through their pockets. Let's say the crew don't make the playoffs this year. Will this team be blown up and they're going to have to start over? No, I wouldn't say that because they, they really haven't. The thing is, in MLS, when you when you have to blow a team up, it's when you've had a team together for a long time and, 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 
contracts run out at the same time because you've kept the team together for long, uh, you know, a long time. That's not really the case in Columbus. The, in the, with the crew, they've actually been cycling their roster pretty thoroughly. I mean, they just got rid of Dilly Duca, who, you know, he, he wore out his welcome there. They, you know, they really, you, you want to talk about a really bad relationship there yeah. between a player and a, and a club. I mean, it was unbelievable. The, 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 the hatred, the animosity there. I mean, I can still remember being at the, uh, being at the draft and, and, and talking to some people from the crew and they, I mean, they couldn't wait to get rid of Dilly Duca. So they, you know, they've done, they've done that, you know, they've, they, they've gotten rid of the players they've needed to get rid of. They feel pretty confident about this group. And, you know, when you look at that roster, I don't know. I don't. I don't see players that. Oh, they can't be around next year. I mean, obviously, Iguain. You ask yourself, how how long does he want to stay there? Is, I mean, and he seems like he's having a great time. So, you know, I, I don't think. I don't think it's a case of this is like a must win year for them. But I do think that they're right on the doorstep. They're right on the verge. If any of these other teams, if Chicago, if DC, if New York uh, fall apart or struggle or, or have major injuries, the Columbus crew are right there, mm-hmm. and they could absolutely get in the playoffs. And you're right, Davis. I mean, when you look at Crew last year, they only missed the playoffs by one point to the Houston Dynamo. Uh, Dynamo finished with 53, and the Crew had 52. Well, clearly, Ivis, for some reason, you hate all of those teams that are not going to make the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs last year. You don't have them making it this year. I don't get what you have against these teams and these fan bases, but let's move on. <laughs> the team that you have finishing in fifth place in the East. Last year, surprise season. They finished second, but this year you have them finishing fifth. And when you, that's DC United. And when you look at the roster, you almost assume that this team is going to be even better than next year, yet you have them finishing fifth. Why is that? Well, let me ask you that. Let me ask you a question. Since you're asking me all the questions, why do you assume they're going to be better? You tell, you tell me why they're going to be better. Well, I think if you have the increased play of Nick Dillingon, who showed last year there were times where Granted, he wasn't the MLS Rookie of the Year, but I think there were times in the season when you could have argued for him being Rookie of the Year. He's also an Arizona guy, not a, not a homer pick right there. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know you were going to mention him. Oh, really? You were surprised by that? Yeah, that's a shock. <laughs> but then you have Nick DeLeon, right? And then you have Perry Kitchen. And we're always talking about maybe Perry Kitchen could be that guy that's going to take that next step right there. And then you have Dwayne De Rosario. I mean, it's Dwayne De Rosario. You can't put anything past him. I mean, and then you have Brandon McDonald. What an unbelievable season he had last year. I don't know. I, I just see this DC United team, and I mean, you have Ben Olsen there. I, I don't know, man. There's just there's just a lot to like about this team. Okay. Now, everything you've mentioned and everybody you've mentioned was there last year. They, you haven't mentioned one addition, one player brought in to make the team stronger. You've brought up everyone that they've already had. And, I, and I'm not saying they're a weak team. They're a good team. I could totally be underrating them. I could totally be selling them short. Uh, I know. I know a lot of their fans think they should be ranked number one in the East. My question, my my issue, my concern with them is the fact mm-hmm. that I don't know if they did enough to to keep up with the Joneses to strengthen their roster. You can't stand pat in this league because everyone's everyone's getting better. Everyone's strengthening their rosters. And you think about DC United. They lost a player. They lost a, a, one of their top young starters. They sold Andy Nahar. So they're not going to have exactly the same team. So now, yes, Nick DeLeon should be better in year two. He was great last year. Playoffs, he was, he was, he was great for them. Um, Chris Pontius, great player. Perry Kitchen is really developing into a quality defensive midfielder. They, they have That's a what nice I said. Team. They have a nice team. 
but did they do enough to keep up with the other teams that that are uh, that are loading up? Okay, okay, Carlo, okay. Wait, Carlo, listen, yes. listen. Carlos Ruiz, James Riley, Casey Townsend, a, interesting signing, but he is by no means a guarantee. By no means is he someone that you're going to pencil in for 10, 10 plus goals. I still think there are question marks there. I think they're in the playoffs. I just don't know if they did enough to stay ahead of these other okay, teams. Okay, wait, wait, wait. What about James Riley? I mean, Casey Townsend. I mean, dude, come on. Casey Townsend, he had a crap situation at Chivas USA. I mean, dude, he has. He's never done it in the pros. I have no. He's I, had a crap situation. He's had a crap situation. I rated him as a prospect, but you know what? You can't assume that the guy's going to tear it up because he had a change of scenery. He's never done it on the pro level. So you don't know what he's going to do. You can't pencil him in and say, oh, he left Chivas USA. All of a sudden, you get magic dust sprayed on you because you left Chivas USA. Now you're going to be a good player. And until he does it in the pros, you can't say, you can't say, oh, Casey Townsend's going to come in and start for them and be be the difference maker for them. All right. Well, clearly, DC United fans, Ivis hates you. Don't worry. <laughs> I got your back. You guys can crush Ivis if you want. Ivis, let's move on. The team that you have making the playoffs next is the Chicago Fire. Uh, what, what's your outlook for them on the season? Well, a perfect example, as we just talked about, you know, they were a playoff team last year. Uh, they they were they lost to the to the Houston Dynamo. They went out and really bolstered their roster. They took they looked they took their team. They looked at their positions where they needed to, to to strengthen, and they got stronger. They went out. They got Jeff Laurentowicz, who I mean, when you want to talk about a team addressing a need. The Chicago Fire absolutely needed some bite in the midfield. They needed some toughness, mm-hmm. some steel in the midfield. And they went and got a guy who gives you exactly that. And that, I mean, th- that is why I pushed them ahead of DC United because Chicago wasn't that far behind DC United. And now they've gone out and gotten a player like an, an MLS Cup champion, former champion in Laurentovitz. They went and got Joel, Joel Impair. Who, for my money, is is someone who could absolutely have a, a bounce back year? He pretty much, you know, Hans Baca just completely wasted him with the Red Bulls. Uh, you know, played with his emotion, like mental mental state. He pretty much, you know, ripped him when he could, played him out of position. Uh, you know, Limper, Joel Limper, let me tell you, Limper is is can't wait to get on that field. He can't wait to play the Red Bulls. He can't wait to show the player that we saw when he first got to MLS, when he was, you know, MLS, the best 11 caliber type midfielder. Yeah. So you have, and he's also a tough guy, you know, he's someone who, who, you know, he's a pit bull. So you had Laurentovitz, you had Joel Impair, and then you had a player in Dilly Duca, who for me, you know, obviously it didn't work out in Columbus. He, you know, the bridges were burned. Uh, the relationships didn't work. Him and Robert Parzi had, they just, I, I don't know. I don't know the backstory. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything under the, anything to that or why their 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 relationship completely crumbled, but the point is he needed to change the scenery and now he's in Chicago. Uh, Frank Frankie Klopas, uh, you know, great coach. He works well with young players. He he for me, I think he might be the perfect guy to get the most out of Dilly Duke, a player who I tell you what, when I I remember watching him on the U23 national team, and he was one of the best players on that team, and and, and he hasn't shown it quite yet. In MLS, but I think mm-hmm. this could be the year that he does. Well, when you look at uh, Austin Berry and Arn Friedrich, are are they the best pairing in MLS right now? I wouldn't go that far, but I think it's a pretty good one. Who, who's your uh, best pairing? I, who's better? Well, man, there's several. Let me see: LA, uh, Sporting Kansas City. That's two that right off the bat. Um, I think Salt. I tell you what, I think Salt Lake. Even though they got rid of Hamas and Olave, I think the Nat Borchers Chris Schuler tandem could be better. But listen. Chicago has a really solid center back pair. 
They also have Sean Johnson, who I know some people try to rip on Sean Johnson and say he's not that good. People want to remember. Yeah, the, but he the, makes the, mental mistakes, though. He's a young goalkeeper. Every young goalkeeper makes mental mistakes. And every young goalkeeper, if they have the talent, eventually matures, learns from those mistakes, and becomes a solid goalkeeper. For me, last year, Sean Johnson, the second half of the season was outstanding. He had a he had a shit. No question about it. In my opinion, he had a shaky uh, while the, the 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 playoff round game against Houston. He was shaky. He was nervous. Yes, he had that. But at the same time, there's no doubting that the second half of the season, in the regular season, yes, he, was. he was outstanding. And now, and there's a reason that Jurgen Klinsmann brought him into camp, had him start at, you know start over Bill Hamid, brought him in into the qualifier as the third goalkeeper. You know, he right now, Sean Johnson, for me, I think can take that next step. Now that he has put that all behind him, put the whole Olympic qualifying debacle behind him, another season under his belt, I think he could absolutely have that. This have this be the year where people stop talking about the mental mistakes, the blunders. Because you know what? It happens. Young goalkeepers, they it, they go through that. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, I covered Tim Howard when he was when he was Sean Johnson's age, even younger. And was that like that's like fifty that's fifty years ago, right? Was that that's like fifty years ago, right? Oh, uh, see, I'm gonna you know what? I got me, jokes. Me and Tim Howard are gonna jump you. Next I got, time I got look at that. Look at that. I, listen, I got jokes. Point is, Tim Howard had those too. Yeah, every every goalkeeper has that. At, at that, when you're talking about early twenties, I mean, look in Europe. I mean, David David De Gea, Manchester United goalkeeper, another young goalkeeper. He's had some blunders. People wanted to run him out of Man U, but now look at him now. You know, he's had to put some great games together. It comes with it comes with it. I mean, just. The goal, the position. It's just when you're that young, you don't. You just need games. The only, the only recipe, the only formula is getting the game experience. And I, I tell you what, I think this could be a really big year for Sean Johnson. All right, so let's move in the top three for teams. Yeah, the team that you have finishing in third place is the uh, New York Red Bulls. I have a hilarious question for you. With Rafael Marquez not there anymore, who are people going to blame for this team's problems? Well, they do still have Roy Miller, who, I tell you what, I, I cannot think of an athlete in pro sports, uh, maybe ever, who, ha- who has been as bad in three straight playoffs and come back to the team. I tell you what, he's, he's, a, he's a nice guy. He's a true professional. Uh, his teammates love him. But when you, when you just absolutely crap the bed, in the playoffs for three straight years. Nice. When you wear the goat horns for three straight years, when you score all-time classic own goal in the playoffs, how do you come back? And you know what? I asked Mike Pecky that question. I, I saw, you know, I was at Media Day on Monday, and I had to ask Mike Pecky, you know, all due respect, like, can you explain, the, you know, the Roy Miller situation and how, why he's on his team? And credit to Pecky, he pretty much laid it out. He's like, look, he's a true, you know, he's professional. He's a true pro. He's better than he gets credit for being, uh, you know, Peggy said all the right things. And you know what? Roy Miller might be starting on Sunday in Portland. <laughs> I just, I feel like the Red Bulls always have to have a player that this, everyone has to blame for every issue the club has ever had. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's, I don't know if it, it's not ever, it's not always one player. I mean, usually it's, there's enough to go around. Usually it takes multiple guys. But listen, I'll tell you what, they've done a lot of good things this offseason. I think they did a good job uh, tinkering with that that roster, uh, breaking it down, ad- adding some nice pieces. Uh, you know, I, the question is Mike Pecky. Can he handle the job? I do, mean, that's, do you, well, okay, do you think he can? It's a, You know what? I would have said no. Oh, come on, Ivis, yes or no? Do you think he can? 
I don't know. I really don't. Oh, look at you. I really don't know if he can do this. Well, here's the thing, right? Before they ha- before they hired Robin Fraser, I would have said no. It, it, before they hired Robin Fraser to be the assistant, I would have said Pecky just doesn't have the experience. He he he, you know, he, to to lead that team and deal with the, the egos in that locker room. Uh, what, what, wait, asking what? a first year coach to do that, I just it just sounds like a recipe for disaster. But when you have an assistant coach like Robin Frazier, who's a real a very respected coach in the league, I, I think that is why you can you could see Petke getting through. Well, okay, let's. I mean, let, front to end, this team is just loaded with talent, and some people are already, I guess, predicting that Henri is going to be the MVP of the season. Does this team need Henri to have an MVP type of season to get them, you know, to where they are right now, where you haven't picked at third in the East? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, 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 it's no, that's a no brainer. They need, they need Henri to be at his best. And you know what? When Henri's healthy, he's still too good to not play at that level. Like, he's just that good. And I mean, I, I, anyone who denies that or anyone who doesn't realize that Henri is, is one of the most, if not the most talented player in the league, then you're just not paying attention. I mean, the, the fact is, this guy. It, it has that kind of quality. Now, at the uh, at the same time, you, you can definitely look at his stats and and question. You know, does he get it done against good teams? Uh, I mean, I know I broke it down last year where where he really padded the stats against weaker opponents. Uh, having said that, the guy, the quality's still there. And when you think about the pieces that they've added, uh, having Juninho come in uh, to really give them a quality central midfield threat, um, and then Fabian Espindola to give them a real speed option to, mm-hmm. to play up top. I think they've really put some pieces in place to make the most out of ter- on Terry Henry's talent. And I, the big question I know a lot of Red Bulls fans had was, why would you get rid of Kenny Cooper? The guy scores 18 goals. He's a class act. Because he nice flops in the ever. box in the playoffs. That's why. What's that? He flops in the box in the playoffs. That's why. That's not why. Pay attention. Come on. No. <laughs> the reason is... Well, I tell you what, the, what, what the Red Bulls will say, what Henri will say, what anyone will say that if you ask them in New York, they'll say it was the salary cap. Uh, it, it was inevitable. They had to move them to create space for other things. Listen, that's crap. Anyone who's in, who follows the team closely knows that Terry Henri wasn't completely sold on them. I mean, last year it was, it was almost comical where you'd have games where Henri would just pull off these ridiculous moves set up Kenny Cooper for goals, yep. and then everyone would want to talk to Kenny Cooper after the match because he scored a couple goals. And then when when it, when it would get to Henri, Henri would pretty much be like, he wouldn't say it in these words, but he pretty much implied like, uh, why are you guys talking to Kenny Cooper? He really didn't have to do anything. I mean, that was the that was kind of the attitude was that, you know, there, was, there were a lot of flaws to Cooper's game. But he benefited from the service of Henri and, and the other players, and, and that's why he scored 18 goals. Uh, you know, fair or not, you definitely got that sense that when the year was over, Cooper would not be back, and it had nothing to do with the contract. It was you just had a sense that Henri uh, wasn't completely sold on him and wanted other other you know different players in. And and all all we've heard from Henri for years is how much he loves Real Salt Lake, the way they play, their style of play, and then wouldn't you know. This offseason, they've added three players from Real Salt Lake. They added Fabiana Spindola, Hamasin Alave, and now Johnny Steele, the midfielder, they brought in in the offseason. That's not an act. That is not a coincidence, okay? <laughs> so, when you know, as much as Terry Henry wants everyone to believe that he had no problem with Cooper, 
you know, he he respected him, this and that. Listen, I can tell you what. If Terry Henry wanted Kenny Cooper in New York, Kenny Cooper would be in New York right now. Aren't you boys with Henry? Can't you get a spot on this roster? <laughs> Am I boys with Henry? Uh, no. I mean, we're you know, whatever. Like, I see it. He's there. He's, if I spoke French, maybe we'd be tight. I don't know. But I tell you what. They, 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 the pieces that they've added, the way they built this team, I thought they did a pretty good job, surprisingly, of building a good, a competent, quality roster. Considering they didn't have a head coach almost the entire offseason. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, credit to to their technical staff that was handed the reins. Uh, Andy Andy Roxburgh, the tech, the new the technical director there. He, he, or I don't know what I'm blanking on his official title, but he turned to the technical staff who was already in place, Ricardo Campos, and, and and let him handle the MLS moves. And I tell you what, the trades they made, I, were, I thought they were pretty good. Hamison Olave is a stud. When he's healthy, he's the best 11 caliber defender. That is a huge boost for them. Fabian Espindola, quality forward, speedy forward, uh, and then and some and you know some of the other moves signing Juninho, who I know some people say, oh, he's too old. But I tell you what, the guy can get it done. He he was getting it done in Brazil. Brazil's a quality league, and he was scoring goals and setting up assists there. So I like all the all the pieces are there. It's up to Mike Petke to get it done as a coach, and it's not going to be an easy job. I can tell you that. All right, let's move on to the top two teams here. The team that you have finishing in second place is Sporting Kansas City. They are no longer without the services of Kai Kamara, who is now a fan favorite at Norwich City. They also lost out on Roger Espinoza. He's a also, a, uh, he played in Arizona for a couple years. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, but the Sporting Kansas City had a great offseason. They they pretty much they didn't have to restart. They just reloaded. How is it that this team just seems to just reload every single year? Are they becoming the model franchise for how things need to be done? They're definitely one of those teams. And, and I can tell you, in MLS, you have to be able to draft well and, and, and sign quality foreign players. If you can do both of those... You're gonna have you're gonna have you're never gonna you know be lacking for talent. You're you're gonna be able to to you know weather departures, weather transfers, weather trades. And I tell you what, Peter Vermees, the job he's done in the draft through the years is is, is unbelievable. I mean, think about the players that they they brought in: Matt Beesler, Graham Zusi, Roger Espinoza, uh, Chance Myers, the number one pick, who's finally really put it together. Uh, they, they, they've added so much talent there. Uh, Teal Bumbry, CJ Sapong. I mean, just look at all that talent they brought in through the draft. But then they've also turned around and, and made some shrewd moves on the international market. When you talk about getting yourselves a goalkeeper like Jimmy Nielsen, who's been a quality addition. The center back, Aurelian Collin, outstanding center back. So they've done it on both fronts. And, and it's not just about going and finding these guys. You also have to be good enough as a coaching staff and to, to bring the best out of these players. And they, they've done that. I mean, Roger Espinoza, when he got to Sporting Kansas City, he was a, a, skill, a tricky, skillful, attack-minded midfielder. He left Sporting Kansas City and went to the English Premier League as a ferocious box-to-box midfielder with technical quality. And now look at him. I mean, the guy's playing in the Premier League and playing well. So that is a credit to the coaching staff. That's a credit to Peter Vermees. Kai Kamara, the same thing. Kai Kamara had bounced around MLS, multiple teams, Columbus, San Jose, Houston. And guess what? He goes to Sporting Kansas City. Had, all of a sudden, he, he, his, his game just skyrockets. And, and now he's at Norwich City. 
And as you said, he's a fan favorite. He's scoring goals, like you know, scoring goals against Everton, Tim Howard, uh, and, and, and taking off. And that's a credit to the job that Peter Vermees and his staff ha- has done there uh, to not only draft well, not only work the international market well, but do a really good job when they get those players to bring the most out of them. Okay, okay well, here, here's a player when you talk about bringing the most out of them is Benny Philharbor. Great player. I think I think we maybe forget how good he really was at one team. His stock. I think is incredibly low, probably the lowest it's ever been in his career right now. Is this the type of setup that he needs team-wise, coaching-wise, city-wise, where he can maybe kind of go through a renaissance and all of a sudden we're talking U.S. men's national team call-up for him? Well, he's right there. I mean, he was he was called up in January. He he actually looked pretty good in the second half of that. No, no, no. But I'm I'm talking about serious though, not just like a excuse me call-up. I'm talking like a serious call-up. Well, here's the thing. You know, I, I think it's interesting that people don't actually realize about Benny Philhaber. Yes, Benny Philhaber looked good at times in Confederations Cup in 09. He looked good coming off the bench in the World Cup. He had great moments. And no one will, no U.S. fan will forget the Golasso to win the 2007 Gold Cup. Having said all that, his club career, He's never really had a great club career. I can't, you know, what was his best season as a, on the club level? He hasn't really had a good, a great season on the club level yet. He hasn't done it. So, you know, at a certain point, you have to start producing on the club, you know, for your club teams. And if he can't get it done in Kansas City, I don't. I, then he can't get it done anywhere. I mean, it's the, the setup is there for him to succeed, for him to thrive. He's got a great coach. He's, play, he's getting plugged into a great lineup when you talk about Graham Zussi, CJ Sapong, Till Bunbury. Uh, you know, the quality is there. And, and as you say, I mean, anyone who watches, follows the U.S. team through the years knows that he has the technical ability, the passing touch, the vision to, to be a standout. But he now he's got to do it. Now he's got to prove it. Now he's got to show that he is actually someone you can build around, someone that you, is a quality player, uh, both on the club and in the international level. And at this point, he has yet to do it, but everything is there for him now. So there's no excuses. It's either either tear it up or re- there, or then you're going to have some real question marks about about what he can give you. Or, or he could play for my Divas FC co-ed team on Monday nights then. Well, you well, <laughs> maybe he'll play for Phoenix. He'll play for the Phoenix Wolves. I learned the name of that team now. How, when did you learn that name? Uh, they signed Pebo Due from West Virginia. I saw that on my Twitter feed. So Phoenix it said, FC did. It said the Wolves. Phoenix Wolves is that is that them? I don't know. That that is them, and this is news to me. They uh, they don't yeah. have the greatest PR. So <laughs> well, there you go. I'm break. You know, someone has to break USL. Is that USL Pro? Someone has yes, to break it's USL that Pro. Oh, it is. Okay, good. Well, some there you go. We cover everything. We cover MLS, national team, USL Pro. We got it all covered. All right, and then we also, when you look at Kansas City, and I mentioned this before, they, they lost Kamara, they lost Roger. Are, is this team, with the additions that they picked up this year, with the players that they have, you you assume that this team's going to be able to overcome those two key player losses? Uh, they, well, when you look at the, the signings in the offseason, Benny Fellhaber and Claudio Beeler, the two big signings that they made, uh, you, you know, you kind of have to like their chances. You know, last year... They, they lacked a bit someone a reliable goal, sco- goal scorer and and I they the sense I get is that they feel Beeler is going to be that guy. Uh, as far as Kai Kamara goes, what's interesting is if you know he's on a loan, 
So if he, you know, if Norwich City decides not to buy him, uh, he'll come back in, in the summer. Before the summer, he'll be sporting Kansas City. If they decide to sign him, which I tell you, based on how he's playing early on, it seems like a safe bet they're going to want to buy him. Uh, sporting Kansas City is going to get a, a, a lot of money. So one way or the other, they're either going to get Kai Kamara back or they're going to get some money to go find a replacement. So one way or the other, I think they're going to be able to add more talent to that. So the Sporting Kansas City is going to be fine. They have a ton of talent. They have Teal Bunbury coming back from uh, from torn ACL. Uh, their defense is still intact, and, and last year they were the best defense in the league. Beesler, Colin, Sinovic, Chance Myers. And now they have Ike Opara as their oh, third yeah. center back. Uh, people forget Ike Opara. He's a guy who's completely fallen off the, the radar. But I can tell you, I still think he's going to be a breakout player. At a, you know at some point soon, Ike Opara, I feel, is going to break out and be a star. I, I think he could still be that. Well, what position for Sporting Kansas City, though? Well, that's the thing. This year, it could be an issue. But, you know, a year from now, do they still have Colin? Does he stay there? Does Matt Beesler stay there if he has another big year? So I think I think Michael Power could be the you know maybe he he might struggle for playing time. But again, another thing to remember with Sporting Kansas City, they're going to be competing in multiple competitions. They're going to be in the Concacaf Champions League. They're obviously going to be trying to make another run in the U.S. Open Cup. So I think the opportunity is going to be there for Opar. But their defense is still you know the you know the old saying defense wins championships. They have a defense in place. The question is, can they score the goals? Well, and I think they will. I mean, Graham Zuzi, if you just look at him, I mean, he just continues to improve every single year. Right, without a doubt. But I, I tell you what, last year, it, it's interesting. They struggled. You know, Teal Bunbury, obviously they lost him to the to the, the injury, and CJ Sapong had some some consistency issues. Uh, but, again, if Beeler is the real deal, then that's the piece to the puzzle because it really it'll it'll help take some pressure off of Sapong and, and Bunbury, uh, and it'll give Zuzi another target. If he struggles, though, if Beeler struggles, then the pressure's on guys like Sapong and Bunbury because, I mean, you know, they, th- those guys... They need to step know, up. They do. They absolutely... Sapong had a great rookie year, but then, I, I mean, I feel like he took a step back uh, as in his second year. Um, so he's got to step it up. Till Bunbury, again, U.S. national team radar, uh, but, again, he's coming off of ACL, so, you know, I think he's someone you, you're going to have to take a step back and, and, and give him some time uh, to get back on the map. All right, Davis. Well, that gets us to our now number one team in the Eastern Conference. If you were keeping score at home, we appreciate that. If you were not, I'll give you the rundown. Coming back on order, starting with 10. Toronto at 10, New England at 9, Montreal at 8, Philly at 7, Columbus at 6, Ivis hates you guys, DC United at 5, Chicago at 4, Red Bulls at 3, Kansas City at 2. Now we get to the number one team, Houston Dynamo. Clearly, you believe that this team is not going to have any back-to-back cup loss hangover going into this season. No, not at all. If anything, I think they're loaded. They are loaded for bear. They, I think this could be the year they win it all. And what's funny is, you know, a week ago, a week or so ago, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to make my list. You know, I'm trying to make my mm-hmm. uh, rank all the teams. And, and I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the paper. And I had Houston number one. I actually looked at, you know, when I broke it down. Right, did I you had, have that right away or did you have to think about that? What's that? Did you have to think about that or did you have that right away? Uh, well, I mean, it was just whatever day it was that I kind of sat down and really tried to think about how I like these teams. And, you know, you look at Houston and people are going to look at the, the last year's record and say, you know, what's so special about this team? You know, they, they get into the playoffs, they grind out wins, they play ugly, blah, blah, blah. Listen, 
Last year, after they opened the stadium, after they got Oscar Bonet Garcia, they took their game oh, yeah. to another level. Uh, there's no questioning that. I mean, they were a different team. They were such a better team. And, and, you know, what people need to realize is, you know, they sold Jeff Cameron, and that's a big loss. Jeff Cameron's a great player, talented player. But once they moved Jeff Cameron, I mean, that gave them the resources to do what they have now done this offseason, mm-hmm. which is to boost their roster that much more. They go and trade for Omar Cummings. They go and get a, a quality winger in Andrew Driver. Uh, and and then, you know, they, they do another good job in the draft. Again, they got a, a steal in J.J. Johnson, someone who I think down the road is going to be a quality player. And, and, I mean, man, look at that team. When you think about top to bottom, I mean, they, their defense is stingy. Tally Hall really is, you know, really coming to his own as one mm-hmm. of the top goalkeepers in the league. And now you add Omar Cummings and his speed uh, to to next to Will Bruin and Bonier Garcia and Brad Davis. I mean – all the pieces are there. Well, what type and, and, what type of Omar Cummings do you think this team is going to get though? I mean, he's kind of a he's kind of a Jekyll Hyde kind of situation going on. Well, listen, he struggled last year on a team, a Colorado team that just didn't just wasn't that good. And, and I think he, I think he's going to be rejuvenated. I think playing with with you know creators like Davis and Bonia Garcia playing next to Will Bruin. I mean, I think it's set up perfectly for him to to, to shine. Uh, you know, I know some people might be writing him off and say, oh, you know, he's, the age is there. He's already injured. He got injured in the preseason. Uh, he's, you know, so where, what's he going to have left? And I'll tell you what, anyone writing him off, I think it's way too premature. Uh, you know, I think Dom Kinnear is going to bring him, bring him along. And, and, and I just think it's, it's set up there for him to really have a, a, a bounce back here. Well, when you look at this team, you had a couple guys called up into that January camp. You had Tally Hall, you had Will Bruin. And then all of a sudden, you have a guy like Brad Davis, who's starting to get not just attention for how he does with Houston, but starting to get U.S. men's national team attention. People are starting to recognize how good of a player he really is. How important is he to the Houston Dynamo as a player? Well, he's been the straw that stirs the drink for a couple of years now. And I think the fact that they, they, they were able to get Oscar Bonian Garcia was so big for them because I really feel like David too – I think they relied too much on Brad Davis uh, for some for quite some time, and and I think you know obviously they lost him you know to an injury before the you know MLS Cup final in twenty in in twenty eleven, um, and you know they lost they they were completely dominated by Houston, I mean by the Galaxy. Now you go to to last December the MLS Cup final, once again LA in LA, they they outplayed the Galaxy for a half. That first half of that game, they outplayed the Galaxy, and they and they looked like they were going to win. You know, yeah. they were going to mess around and win in MLS Cup. Then Omar Gonzalez woke up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, then uh, well, you know, Kalen <laughs> Carr got hurt, and everything else happened. But listen, Brad Davis, it, you know, hey, not you know, national team, uh, you know, I, I don't know about that. Like he's not. It was nice that he got he you know that he got the recognition, he got the chance to to be in a camp and. You know, a lot of obviously fans in Houston have have felt for a long time now that he should be back in the mix. I'm not sold on you know him you know contributing internationally just at his age. You know, but that aside, as far as MLS goes, the guy is so quality. One of the best, one of the best players in the league. One of the easily one of the best wingers in the league. Mm-hmm. And and I think having Bonian Garcia on the other side or in the middle. I think helps him so much because you can't key on Davis like you used to be able to. You know, you have to respect William Garcia. And I think because of that, 
we're really going to see Davis, you know, just keep playing at the high level that he's played at. And, uh, you know, if Andrew Driver, the, the Scottish winger, proves to be, you know, if he proves to be a real talent, then all of a sudden you have a trio of Davis, Garcia, and Driver. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be – all of a sudden you're going to talk about a Houston team that people accuse of being a grinded-out, ugly team. And you know what? They're going to be able to go at you. They're going to be able to take, a ga- take the game to you the way we saw them take the game to the Galaxy in the first half of the MLS Cup Final. Well, as uh, as we've all learned to realize that Houston Dynamo, they just win, and so does their manager, Dominic Kinnear. He just knows how to win. No doubt about it. As, as I said in the last show, there's a Mount Rushmore of MLS coaches, current MLS coaches. Uh, well, if you want to talk about current and former, the, the Mount Rushmore is Bruce Arena, Siggy Schmidt, Dom Kinnear. And, uh, you know, he's earned his place on there. And, you know, I would have absolutely – it would not shock me in the least if the Houston Dynamo put it all together, win the East, get home field advantage, and are lifting the MLS Cup at BBVA Compass Stadium in December. Okay, wait, wait. Rook Ivis, so as, as we wrap up the show here now, so that is your final prediction. The Houston Dynamo are going to win everything. No, 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 no. I said it wouldn't surprise me. Okay, all right, all right. Well, then who's your finals prediction? Do you have one? Well – if we're going to talk about the final, right as of right now, at this very moment, yes, Thursday before the start of the season, mm-hmm. I have the Seattle Sounders beating the Houston Dynamo in the MLS Cup final. It looks like they're going to sign Obafemi Martins. It's not a done deal yet, but it seems pretty close. And if the Sounders get Obafemi Martins, let me tell you, an attack with Eddie Johnson, Obafemi Martins, Mauro Rosales, Mario Martinez, Steve Zakouani. Yep. Oh my goodness! I mean, who who can stop? Who's gonna stop that group? You tell me. I, I mean, I'm sorry. That's it's gonna be track me time if you get that group together. And <laughs> you know, it, it's gonna be scary. And Siggy Schmidt's a coach who's gonna figure out how to make it all work. You know what I mean? So that it, I think you know, it might <laughs> Seattle and, and uh, Seattle and Houston. I, I know people say, hey, what about LA? You know, the two-time defending champions. You know what? They could be in the mix, but again, who are they going to bring in? What designated player are they going to get? Frank Lampard looks like he's going to—he looks pretty comfortable in Chelsea. Doesn't look like he's going to leave right away. Kaká, I still say that if he comes to MLS, he's going to New York. My opinion, New I know they would disagree, but I tell you what, Seattle and Houston—if those two meet in the final, I'd say that it's going to be a fun final because with what they've done with their rosters. I mean, those are, those are going to be two teams you don't want to have to deal with this year. Well, Ivis, I hope you have a great time in Portland this weekend. Oh, geez. Don't remind me. Uh, <laughs> what time is it right now? It is one eighteen. Oh, Eastern. man. I, I can't wait till you show up and the Timbers fans just rip you apart for picking the Sounders. <laughs> well, listen. I picked them, and I might be the only person, I have picked the, the Timbers to make the playoffs. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Look at you trying trying to appease the Timbers fans. Don't listen to him, Timbers fans. Ivis and I talked after the show. He he told me what's up. Oh jeez. Listen. <laughs> I'll be I'll be I'll be in what is it? In eight, nine hours I'll be in Portland. And uh I'm expecting it to be a, a great time. you know, the, the, the Caleb Porter era is about to begin there and and you know, having talked to him and having talked to the people there. I tell you what, man. I think they're in for for, for yeah. a turnaround in, in Portland. No, they're going to be in for a very fun season. Well, that, Ivis, that wraps up our Eastern Conference preview. 
As always, like I said, you can listen to our Western Conference preview. That was earlier this week. And if you're looking for the best MLS coverage, the website to check is soccerbyivis.net. Am I right, Ivis? Uh, I would I would say so. <laughs> well, Ivis, you need to get some sleep. You need to have a great time in Portland. Have a great time this weekend. Uh, I absolutely plan on it. I plan on seeing a lot of great soccer meeting some great fans, and having uh, having some adult beverages while I'm at it. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. I'm an adult, so I'm going to have adult beverages. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Well, Ivis, have a great time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the SBI Podcast. We'll be back again next week. We'll recap that first week of MLS Soccer. Thank you for listening.